Welcome to the Murder Club for Beginners podcast. I'm Nick and I'm in Brisbane. I'm Mel and I'm in Melbourne and we hope you enjoy listening to our podcast. Hello. Hey, Nick. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome back. Hi. Uh, how has your week been? It's been good and great excitement because yesterday I saw a woodchipper. I know, and I'm sorry I didn't text back to to get all excited to go, oh, my God, Um, (laughs) mad busy day. You saw a wood chipper. Uh, Were you out running? What were you doing when you saw uh, uh, a wood chipper? Um, No, I was just driving on my way home from grocery shopping, actually, and I'd been cutting down some trees on one of the main roads, and they were there with their little wood chipper just feeding it in, and I got uber excited and thought I'll just have to let Mel know. Brilliant. And what colour was the wood chipper? Well, this one wouldn't do to hide the body or anything because it was orange. So, you know, the blood splatter would definitely show up. Okay. So I have had a lot of uh, responses to our first podcast. Uh, So uh, emails, DMs, you name it. And since we're talking about the wood chipper, let's start with that. I do have a a listener who believes that the wood chipper should be black. And the reason for this is because when blood dries, it dries darker and it's darker probably closer to black than red and she thinks red might look a little fairground-like. So um, I think that's something to think about. I've never seen a black wood chipper. Hmm. No, but she's got a good point there too. She does. Yeah. Does that's a very so, good point. Listeners out there, let us know. Have you seen a wood chipper lately? Because obviously we do want to know. Uh, so we've got a lot to talk about this week. And today, Nick, you had a question uh, that so our podcast does focus on murder mystery, who how to dispose of dead bodies and crazy crazy questions like that that come and pop through our heads and what was the one Nick that popped through your head this week okay the one that popped through my head this week is okay so you come across a dead body there's no one else around what do you do because we all see it in the movies where oh you know you ring the police you do this you do that but in real life if that was me or you or our listeners out there would you would that really happen or would shock hit and would that take over? Okay, so no one else is around. I've got my phone on me. Would I mm-hmm. call the police? I mean, I, I suppose for me the first thing is would I check if the person was dead? I think hmm. that's my first thing is, yep. Uh, uh, you know, if you're not 100% sure, am I going to go in and mm-hmm. even check if the person's dead? So... I've got to say I may not for fear that they might be alive. That's that's a good call because there is another reason behind my question. Once again, it involves going to a run early in the morning. Mm -hmm. And for those of you who know Brisbane, you'll know Fortitude Valley is the nightclub scene. Mm -hmm. And me and a friend are driving along having a conversation on Brunswick Street through the valley and – we just both looked at each other as we went through a light and she didn't sort of, she sort of had to swerve a bit and then we, she hit the brakes and we both looked at her and went, is that a body? Is that an actual human? 
laying there in the gutter. So they were on the road in the gutter and yep. she had to swerve for them. So they're, sort of, they're in Sort traffic. of their legs. It was, yeah, they were in traffic. So, okay. and it was a, you know, fairly youngish person. So we stopped and our first thought was, oh, my God, it's a body. Yep. So first thought is, okay, get out of the car. We're going to ring Triple O regardless because you're either going to yep. need an ambulance or that. But right. a refund had enough sense to check that they were still breathing and they were. So in this case, it was the ambulance. But our first response was, is that a dead person? I mean, this is the thing. When you're with someone else, it's like you're just moving along together, aren't you? So there's mm-hmm. that that mm-hmm. whole uh, emergency, let's get in yeah. that mode. And your mm. first thought, I love sort of as you said that, is they're going to need help either way, whether or not they're dead yeah. or alive. So. Uh, and that's clear. The person is in traffic. You're, mm-hmm. you know, you've got to help them because they've got to get out of traffic, basically. Yeah, basically. Now, can I ask, was the person alive? They were alive. Um, okay. And they'd obviously had a very big night in the valley. Okay. It is the valley. Um, yeah. And just, you know, like the, the ambulance came and stuff like that and like, do you know this person? They're like, no. Um, but you know, you can't just, (laughs) there's someone in the street, you know, and Mm -hmm. you can't just keep driving, (laughs) but people on the other side of the road did. I think we had one car stop, but admittedly it was like five o'clock in the morning. So it was fairly early. Not a lot of people about, apart from the ones doing the walk of shame and said bender guy. Um, but yeah, that was, yeah, I think we both breathed a sigh of relief when he, he was found to be not deceased. Okay, um, I mean that's yeah. like thankful. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Great news. So, Nick, if you're out on a run, five a.m. in the morning, it's near mm-hmm. dark. Uh, the the sun hasn't awoken yet, mm-hmm. and you're running somewhere sort of a bit quiet, and uh, there is not another soul around. And you see mm-hmm. someone who could potentially be homeless, just sleeping mm. uh, somewhere. They potentially look dead. Would you call the police? What would you do? Um, that's a tough one from a personal safety kind of view as well. Yeah. Because if they're not dead and you wake them, they might just lash out in their sleep. Yep. And injure you. But I think you'd probably you'd probably have to check that they were not actually dead. Is what I'd go with. I'd really um, love our listeners yeah. to weigh in on this one as well. So yeah. we're certainly uh, any of our listen, listeners who listen to this podcast at any point message us uh, and tell us what you would do in this situation. I mm-hmm. think, as you've said, it's probably it's situational, isn't it? It shouldn't be situational. This is the thing. As mm. as as we we talk about it, it's certainly not a question. Yeah, um, I've mm. ever thought before. But that's the beauty mm-hmm. of this uh, podcast. Questions yep. we thought about fleetingly, uh, we get to we get to talk through, and uh, but yeah, it would be about personal safety and and I suppose the worry that you're going to wake someone up that is potentially that, that not too. dead. And 
I think also, like you said, a lot would depend on where I'm running. Now, I know most of the, or I know the faces and most of the local people who are around about the same time mm-hmm. as me out here. So, obviously, if it's one of them I recognise, then it, that's a no-brainer. I'm going to stop yeah, and help them. of course. But, you know, if it's some random when I've just decided to drive into New Farm Park for some reason and run in there, um, which sometimes... I think they tend to move them on. Sometimes there can be homeless people in there. That's when it takes on, you know, another dimension because it's a bit darker. I don't always mm. know the area. Yeah. Um, but that very fairly well. But, yeah. So, yeah, I think that unfortunately does come into play. It shouldn't, but it does. I know. I'm starting to think what kind of person am I that uh, the yeah, – I know. The, my answer isn't yeah. immediately – of course I would. And it's yeah. funny because when you pose that question, uh, so before we got on the pod, uh, Nick posed the question and I was like, hold up, hold up, wait, let's discuss on the pod. And actually my first initial reaction was, of course I'll call triple uh, zero, yeah. which for, for us yeah. is um, emergency services. Obviously it's 999 uh, in uh, the US and 111. I think in the UK, I can't remember. I haven't even been gone that long. Mm-hmm. Uh, but certainly emergency <laughs> services number does differ, but I am told triple zero, no matter where you dial in the world, will uh, run through to emergency services. Yep. Uh, so even if you do mistakenly get it. But that was my first thought. What was your first thought when you posed the question well, my to your, first yourself? Was, yeah, it was, you know, Obviously, you, you'd go check, but then, like you said, you put it in that context of it's dark, you're out alone, um, and it can become a whole different thing. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I'm the same as you. I'm like, what kind of person am I? That's, that's really it's bad. funny. <laughs> if I was with someone else, not mm-hmm. it, it, it's an immediately a different answer if I'm with someone else. It is. Else. It becomes a different answer because there's two of you. Um, yeah. And it becomes a totally different scenario. So, mm. you know, if me and a running buddy out, of course we're going to stop. Yeah. yeah. Well, lucky you did because you saved, <laughs> potentially saved that, <laughs> that young, young man in the street from being run over. Yeah, that was, uh, that was, he was more in danger of being run over than anything else. Oh, mm. bless. I mean, we've all had, mm-hmm. well, I've certainly had yep. big nights but never fallen. Yeah. Asleep mm-hmm. in uh, in a gutter, in gutter. or partly mm-hmm. on the road. So, yep. Nick, uh, we were also just talking on the pod uh, before, and you've thrown. Uh, so we do talk about other things other than murder mystery, mm-hmm. uh, running being one of them, uh, because uh, we haven't told the story. But I've been an on and off runner for a while. I used to run a lot when I was a kid, and I was super super fast, uh, and then adulthood took over and <laughs> I I wouldn't have run again until I was in my early 30s and when I moved to Edinburgh so I started to run seriously again and um so my running story I don't know if I've told you this Nick so when I again started running in Edinburgh like my face used to be so red it was beetroot red I was doing yep it wasn't even couched to 5k then I think mm-hmm. I found on the internet uh a how to run so I think it was an army how to run and get fit and run 5k oh, yeah. and it was run light post to light post so that was what you do so virtually yes. 100 meters run 100 meters mm-hmm. walk and then you slowly decrease 
uh, the rest distance. So that was how I started to get myself up and running. And I would run at least three times a week as far as I could, uh, you know, stopping and starting. And, you know, eventually I got up to 5Ks. But I was um, in Edinburgh and I was in a park and it was early on and it was a warm day for Edinburgh, so probably mm-hmm. 21 degrees maybe, and that's Celsius. And this guy comes up to me and he goes in a very broad Scottish accent, <laughs> are you okay? Uh, and, I, I mean, I must have looked like I was dying. I did look in the mirror after I got home. My face was still beetroot red. I realised later I think that was you and McGregor. So, Oh, my uh, God. I know I was I was too stuffed to to um, realize to realize uh, and it, oh, you know wow. sometimes you realize things mm-hmm. as you walk away and your your brain kicks mm-hmm. back into gear um, but so I then continued uh, running for quite a bit took a bit of a hiatus uh, when I moved to London and then got back into it um, just before COVID so. Running was my mental solace through COVID and my way to get out of the house. And honestly, without that, I don't think I would have had what felt like an easy in comparison to other people's experience of COVID. You know, I I had that Mm -hmm. and I had something I was working towards as well. So, um, and now I am running, uh, you know, 5Ks. I did 7Ks the other Mm -hmm. day. And uh, Nikki introduced me to my first park run last year. So I signed up to park run seven years ago, maybe five years ago. (laughs) And then Nikki came down. We were doing, um, we weren't doing the marathon, Melbourne Marathon, but we were doing runs in the Melbourne Marathon. I did the 5K very, very badly. And Nikki did the 10. And the day before, Right. So we're running on the Sunday. Nikki goes, Oh, let's do the park run Saturday. I'm like, I run two days in a row. She does, <laughs> I don't. Uh so we uh I went and I did my first park run and I have now done Yay. a few since and even volunteered. Mm-hmm. So Nikki is um at, at what I consider my park run buddy. And Aww. She and because of that, I've got to admit, having done that has really pushed my running further. Because I've just had to sort of push myself a little bit more rather than just the relaxed, oh, I'll just go out for a run. Um, But, Nikki, you've been running quite a bit longer, but from someone who never ran. Yes. Never Mm -hmm. ran. Like I remember you in high school. I think you would have said to me back then, running, what's that? I'm not going to get sweaty running. Something like that would be what you Mm -hmm. would have said. Something like that, yeah. I blame moving to America and the fact that um, I joined a gym and lost a weight before we left and I wanted to keep that off. And where yep. we lived, it was this little tiny gym near the pool. Like it had two treadmills, two bikes, some weights, yep. and that was it. And I'd go down because I wasn't working for the first three months we lived there and I'd yep. run on the treadmill and, you know, I'd, I didn't realise before but I'd actually run half marathons on a treadmill without knowing the distance. I just used to go because I don't like weights. I'd only ever go yep. to the gym to do cardio. Um, so that was fine. And it was the weekend, actually the day before I turned 40, there was a road race where we were living in downtown San Rafael. Yep. Now, downtown San Rafael is pretty flat, okay? 
Great. And my, Craig, my husband, is a runner from way back. He did cross country and he wanted to get into a bit of fitness as well. So he said, oh, we'll do this 5K. And I remember being so happy running in my like my old Reeboks and my cotton shirt and finishing in like under 40 minutes. And I was so happy because I was going to turn 40 the next day and I didn't die. And then Craig obviously ran a lot quicker than me. And anyway, he got a bit bored at work that week. He'd been traveling around to Canada and Chile a bit. And he said, oh, there's this group called Brazen Racing and they're doing a trial run next Saturday. That looks like fun. Well, didn't that create a monster? Because that got us into years of doing Brazen Racing trail runs and doing all sorts of things. And then a couple of years later, Craig says, I think I want to attempt another half marathon. I haven't run one since I was about well, 22. So where do we pick? The Rock and Roll Vegas. I did the 5K. <laughs> he did the half marathon. He was running so much quicker than we thought that I was thinking I'm not going to get up from the start line to the finish line in time because of all the crowds. He came over the finish line. He looked like he was going to pass out and he didn't. But, yeah, and from there it just escalated and then he got me running half marathons. I've got a classic photo of me crossing the finish line in my first ever half marathon in Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. in torrential rain wearing a rain poncho, which I've been telling myself every mile for the last 13 miles, and what you've got to remember is half marathon in, U- in the US conversion is 13.1, 21.1K, that wow. I'm going to ditch this rain poncho. And yep. I wanted to hit under two hours, and I think only I could have done this, Melly. You will understand this. Yep. There's a picture of me under the clock at 159.59. Oh, only wow. I could do that. Oh, I mean, that <laughs> it's is still one of my best running photos. So, yeah, and yeah, Craig created a monster from there. And so, yeah. How many marathons have you done? So, you did New I've York done last two. year. Uh, yeah, that was atrocious. And you just told me that. Mm. So, Nikki and I was just having a quick discussion before the pod, and I got excited because I've now done my second 7Ks. And, uh, you know, it's, it, they're my longest run so far. And Nick, Nikki was at training, uh, last night and said, Oh, I've done 35, uh, for the week, 35 K and I've got heaps more to go. And I'm just like, like, and I know Nikki, if she's running more than 35 K, she's training for something. So I asked her what was going on and you tell me you're doing what? I'm going back to New York to run the United Airlines half marathon again. And when is that? March 19. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, like, uh, by the way, (laughs) Nikki and I speak every week. We text often. And I spoke to her when she got back from New York. And it turns out that you pretty much made this decision not long after you got back. And you're now just telling me. Well, there's a story behind it. We were supposed to have guaranteed entry and um, for any of our listeners who understand this, (laughs) if you're in Australia, um, with the Optus, the mobile phone company and the Medibank um, health company, Data Breach, I thought my credit card had been hacked. Turned out it hadn't, but that's a whole story for another podcast. Um, And so I replaced it and unfortunately because I changed over the details, um, New York Roadrunner sent me a thing saying, look, we need your new details. I did enter it, but I don't think it took because okay. um, I missed out. So Craig actually got in on his own, you know, because he's good. 
I am this time I'm actually paying to go and run it with him. I told okay. him I'm quite happy for him to go run it by himself because yep. I had already signed up for an event the week after, mm-hmm. which was going to be a bit tougher, but I did do last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the Noosa Ultra 25K. Now, we did the wow. 30K last year, me and some girlfriends, mm-hmm. and it was really fun. Um, yeah. But here's your, I didn't here's like your the one o'clock start. <laughs> uh, okay, her idea of fun is an early run with the girls running 25K. I mean. Nah, it wasn't early. We started at 1 o'clock, so I didn't really like that. It got a bit warm. But I mean, <laughs> it was a yeah. fun weekend. It was a fun girly weekend. So um, tell me so what I your had run up. It aim is. What, oh. what are you aiming for time this, what, this time? Well, this one's not going to go great because, as you know, Craig was kind enough to share some, not COVID, but still nasty germs with me over Christmas, yep. New Year. So mm-hmm. I'm still finding my form. Um, so I think a record for this one's about 151, but I'll be happy if I can do it in one hour 56. I'll be happy. I that mean, will it's, be a stretch. it's still better than 15959. So, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Look at that. Yeah, I'll be happy with that. Um, and I think my body's happy that it's training for a half marathon, not a marathon. Because no matter what anyone tells you, I think anyone can do a marathon even if you do what I did in New York because the weather was meant to be two degrees to like 18 and it was Mm. like 27 by the time I started and humid. So I did walk more than I wanted to Mm. and I revised my time. But as I said, I still felt I was winning because I didn't faint, I didn't throw up and I finished. Um, Uh, And that was a win in my book. I mean – Honestly, walking it would have been a win for me in my book. Uh, walking half and the people distance do. would have been a win. People so, do. Yeah. I think well um, done. It's also not the marathon that will kill you. It is actually the training, finding time <laughs> and putting the Ks in. That is the worst. Um, how many Ks a week are you putting in for the half? Um, I'm hoping to get up to about 70 in a couple of Jeez. weeks. I should reach, I sh- my, my goal should be 60 this week. I may fall short, um, but, yeah, that's where I should be heading towards. And then I'll taper off, obviously, for a week. I get excited if I hit 18 a week, and that's like a big week. So, <laughs> oh, well done to you. Yes, well, I'm full on crazy. You are, which is why I love you and why we can talk murder mystery. A bit of a follow-on from last week. Let's talk about your dead body disposal method, being the hippo. It turns out another listener has let me know that hippos are veggies. I have then done a further bit of research thinking maybe it was a rhino and, and we uh, got that wrong. Neither hippos nor rhinos would would probably eat a human. Oh, that, that's good to know. I'll cross that off the list. Cross it off the list. Mm-hmm. I know you'll come up with many more uh, ways of disposing uh, dead bodies. You were talking last week about the urban myth around the Crown Casino. Do you want to tell us what you found out about that? Yes. Okay. I'm yep. excited. Well, I found out that it is probably just that, um, an urban myth. Um, mm. I did have a fairly good look. And while there is a lot of speculation that, yes, it does exist, there is no actual proof of it existing. But having said that, bear in mind where Crown Casino is, 
Um, and they could probably just, you know, they probably got some way of shoving the bodies in the Yarra would be my bet. But on that note, I did actually do a bit of research and there are actually a lot of underground tunnels in Melbourne and okay. one of them is under Swanston Street. Okay, so and let's roll back. Uh, so mm-hmm. I have heard a lot about the underground tunnels and we could talk a great deal about that as well. But let's roll back for listeners. So the urban myth that you had heard and you told us about uh, on the pod last week was that in the Crown Casino they had special drawers where they stored any dead bodies and then they took them out through mm-hmm. tunnels underneath the Crown Casino. Now, both of us got most excited about the tunnels. I mean, you know, the storing of dead bodies, you know, neither here mm-hmm. nor there, but the tunnels was something that we really got uh, excited about. So there are yeah. now no tunnels, so that was definitely an urban myth, but where mm-hmm. did the tunnels under Swanston Street? Now, Swanston Street, for anyone who doesn't know Melbourne, is one of the main shopping streets uh, in in Melbourne. So it sort of, I think it it, it intersects all of uh, the shopping district uh, in the the CBD or the Central Business District of of Melbourne. And it's quite Mm -hmm. long as well. So that's the other thing. It sort of, it does reach from end to end of the CBD. Mm -hmm. uh, And it's quite a nice wide street. So tell us where it leads. Well, supposedly it could lead anywhere, but um, they reckon it actually connects with under the Young and Jackson's Hotel. Now, is the Young and Jackson's Hotel the one that we went to together that has that famous painting and is across the road from Flinders Street paint, Flinders Street Station? Okay, yep, so that would it's be the one right at the, the end. famous painting of Chloe. Ah, that's it. You're right so, at the end. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And do we know what that tunnel was used for back in the day or, or why there is a tunnel along Swanston Street? No? Um, apparently it was used to ship goods to and from. I don't know what kind of goods or because mm. Young and Jackson's has been there for a very long time. Um, and, yeah, but they didn't, yeah, couldn't find out exactly what. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's that's apparently a well, true one. May, maybe in Prohibition time. Uh, do we yeah, I'd be thinking around then. Yeah, we yeah. did. Um, so I'm thinking there. Um, yeah, and apparently it's not uncommon for a lot of the railway stations to be con- interconnected by tunnels, which can still actually be used by the transport staff to just move things and themselves around between all the tunnels. I mean, wouldn't we love to get access to that? I mean, that would really we would. jump into we would. one of my books if I uh, mm-hmm. if I could get access to it. Uh, okay. Um, so I had an urban myth as well, similar along the lines to yours. Uh, it was the subway, uh, sorry, the tube, not the subway in London, and I had heard that when um, someone has found dead, that they store them in a cupboard. Now, it turns out I have done quite a bit of research and from some reputable sources and some not so reputable, so Telegraph, Daily Mail and Metro, Mm -hmm. take it what you will, 
uh, from those sources have all said that cleaning cupboards and storerooms have been used for exactly that. However, that was last reported in 2011 and 2012. Uh, There was a query about why that was happening. So whether or not that's still a current method of uh, storing bodies until they can remove them, I'm not sure that that's current. But as of 2011 and 2012, when I found the articles, it, it seemed to be storerooms and cleaning cupboards were where they would store bodies in body bags. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it wouldn't just be that you'd open it and someone would pop out. No. So they would be in a body bag. So, mm-hmm. well, Done. Nick, it's been well, great talking to you this week. Lovely and as usual. I um, know that we've got, uh, we'll have certainly more ridiculous uh, questions about murder, murder mystery, disposing of bodies, uh, things like that yes. as, mm-hmm. as time goes on. Uh, but uh, for now, I think that's the end of our conversation. So don't murder anyone. I won't if you won't. I won't if you won't. Well, then I won't. Okay. Okay. We're good then. So we won't together and we won't separately. Separately. But if we need to dispose of a body, we'll keep coming up with better ways. We will. We'll have to. Whatever ideas you have, let us know. We'll read them out and discuss them all right see you next time see you next time bye bye